Hey, party people. Here we are, another Cyber Soul episode, and been looking forward to this one. Dan the Man, Panasar, nice to see you. How are you? Are you well? I'm very good. Thank you very much for having me. It's my podcast debut. My we'll look very after excited. you. We'll look after you, I promise. I promise. And it's great to have you on board. Uh, looking for, as always, you know, for me, the objective is to get behind the business and hear from the people. And um, and I'm really interested in, in, in finding out a little bit more about you. Uh, always enjoyed working with you, doing business together, or just talking to you. Um, for me, it was, you know, passions always come out of every, you know, conversation that we've had. Let's start right at the very beginning, like every good podcast does. Um, where did it all start for you, Dan? Oh, God, yeah, it's going back a few years. Well, I, I, I mean, I grew up in Berkshire, in Wokenham, a little town outside Reading. Um, I suppose, in, uniquely, I was brought up in a single uh, parent, you know, single mum, who worked really hard. So very early on, you know, the work ethic was always there. But I had a very... I was very fortunate to have a, you know, a big family around me. I'm sort of uh, come from Indian heritage, so that family ethos is massively important. Um, and my grandfather and grandmother were a big, you know, big had a big hand in my upbringing with my brother and my sister. So yeah, but it was a it was a normal upbringing, you know. Um, went to local primary schools and and then lucky enough to get into what you know what was then the the sort of the leading comprehensive school, um, which was, you know, very um, into like sports, particularly, you know, football at the time. And then later on rugby, which really sort of, you know, formed a massive part of my, uh, of my life um, and did all the usual things growing up, you know, um, had the, you know, had the, the Saturday job started out at Burger King. That was my first sort of, uh, intro into you know working life you know my my parents and my grandparents said you know you need to go and get a job you know you, we're not paying you pocket money for unstacking the dishwasher once a week uh and that was a uh that was sort of the first sort of step into the working world and i really enjoyed it learned how to make whoppers <laughs> and what, what what were the things you know when you look back obviously you say you enjoyed it what what were the things that, that stood out to you there on that on that business i think early on like the the team ethic the team ethos like in that in that it was a drive through burger king and there was a few of the boys in there and very very quickly it was that whole that that camaraderie that team ethos everyone had their role to play um in getting in getting things done um and it was also the fun element you know it was a lot of fun working there we clowned around you know we made up stuff on the on the menu to speak on the drive-through and stuff like that, all the usual things that sixteen-year-old kids do. The, the, there was also the huge amount of free food that went out the window when some of the boys came through the, the drive-through on a Saturday lunchtime. But yeah, it was that that togetherness, that team ethos, that banter in the workplace, the things that are, I think are really important. Um, you know, that culture. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense. So, passions. The, the the young Dan, the young Dan, the, the 
the, the always I, I find always engaging. Have you always kind of had that sort of fire in your belly? What what were the things that really floated your boat? Yeah, so sport was was massive for me. I've got an insatiable competitive um, edge. I've I, noticed. I hate to lose. Uh, my dad was a good footballer, you know, um, and from a young age, you know, football was you know was the was the was the thing, you know, playing at at school on a Saturday on a Sunday. You know, watching him playing myself, and and you know, going through the age groups with your group of mates, uh, and then you know, secondary school. That I, I continued with the football, but also f then discovered rugby, and then that was you know, that was the, that was the sort of the spark that happened for me. You know, um, but yeah, that was the that was a the common theme. You know, mum and and dad were often you know that's what they did at the weekend, ferrying my brother and I around to different sporting fixtures. Uh, different over uh, different lengths of Berkshire um, and that was you know throughout my school as well you know the, the school I went to was a was a good was a very good sports school uh, and a particularly good rugby school we played all the all the sort of the Eatons and the Dulwich colleges and the and the Pangborn colleges all the you know the real up top yeah. top uh, schools and and held our own and that was yeah, again, underpinned by a real brotherhood of camaraderie and culture that the that the teachers have built in our in and the ability, of course. You know, we had some great players. It sounds like sport and that competitive spirit has always been at the been at the core, uh, which I still see coming out of you today. You know, winning's important, but also doing it in the right way. Yeah, it's it's not a win at all costs. That's that's sort of fundamental. You know, I think too many in in our industry, there's that. There's people that are willing to cut corners and do things that are probably not, you know, that not necessarily the right thing to do. And and that and I think that that my upbringing and my sporting background and and everything that I stand for is, you know, you, you, you want to win and you want to be successful, but you've got to do it in the right way. You've got to do it with a smile on your face and you've got to do it having fun. Otherwise, there's no point. Yeah. And outside of sport, what else did you get up to? Uh, well, I was a, I'm a I'm a drummer, so I'm a, by as an instrument, and that was quite a funny thing because I I started drumming to get out of going to school assembly because I hated assembly, I hated singing. <laughs> Makes total sense. <laughs> Sit still. And, yeah. yeah. So it was like go to music, and uh, uh, and the thing that I gravitated towards surprisingly was hitting things, and uh, that was uh, that was the drums, and then that that's kicked off. You know what? You know twenty plus year. Um, sort of passion around, you know, playing the drums and percussion, uh, which is uh, which is yeah, really really enjoyable. So Dan, Dan's growing up now. He's teenage Dan. He's um, he's good at rugby. He can hit things on the old drums. Um, tell me a little bit about that transition from education into you know uh, further education, or did did you hit the aspirationally where you wanted to be and what was that traje trajectory like well in short no i didn't i didn't meet my expectations i didn't meet my probably my family's expectations either i didn't do very well in my a levels uh for many reasons um and it, so you know i remember finding out that, that my a level results i was on a boys holiday in tenerife and i missed the uh, i was hung over and uh, I'd missed the grades that I needed to go to the choices of university that I'd picked. And so it was really thankful to my one of my aunts um, who got on the clearing phones 
to I think UCAS or wherever it was, and got me a place at De Montford University in Leicester, whose motto is preparation for life. And what what a great what a great time I had there. So from a you know a disappointment in the A levels, actually you know going to university and you know getting dropped off on that fateful first day at halls of residence and sitting in my room going wow, I don't know anyone and this is it now. You know, I, I sort of, that that sort of, uh, that confidence that I've always had and that belief sort of kicked in and I stood up and thought, right, I've got to go downstairs and make some friends. Otherwise, this is going to be a very low... It's a long trip. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and luckily, the first lads that I bumped into are, you know, lads that I've stayed in, uh, well, I was friends with all through university, I lived with them all through university and I'm still friends with them, with many of them today. Um very lucky. Yeah, nice, nice story. And I'm interested, you know, the clicking in bit, the the bit right. I've got to engage now. Um, what were the things you think that held you back on the A levels? Was it adolescence or what? What were the things that stopped you doing that? You think? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that I was probably probably didn't work as hard as as I should have. I thought it would be easier. I think a lot of things have come easy to me in my in other areas of my life, mm -hmm. sport and, and drumming and all that sort of stuff, you know. Uh, and I, I assume that you know you, you that edu that my results were going to fall into place as well. And so when they didn't, it was a bit of a shock, mm -hmm. uh, and not a nice shock. So that was probably the first sort of time that I'd felt real disappointment, and I'd you know. I'd seen real disappointment, not only from, you know, my mum and my dad, you know, he was a bricklayer, bless him. And so, you know, a son going to university was what he wanted. But my mum and then particularly my grandfather, who was, you know, he's a very well-educated man, very, very successful. Um, you know, I hadn't met his expectations and that was quite a, that was a difficult pill mm -hmm. to swallow, put it that way. Um, yeah. And something that stuck with me throughout my life. I think it possibly... Yeah, a reflection point many times maybe is that, you know, that not not desperation, but that the, the wanting that recognition uh, is definitely something that stuck with me, whether that was from my family or other 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 aspects. So Dan, moving towards a career, um, did did what what was your first move into business? Um, when did you become start to become? what you are today i finished university by the skin of my teeth uh and and came back home and i think you know again you know the my mum said to me right you got to get a job you know you, you know you can't go back to burger king and flip whoppers uh and so you know like all students that come out of uh or grads that come out of university i uh went to the local recruitment office and the the first sort of thing that came along was a an, an interview for what would have been the distributor then, Aslan, Royal, back in the oh, day. Yeah, a great name. Um, and uh, based in Wokenham. Um, and yeah, I remember going along to the interview and walking into the, like, past the sales floor, and it was just like a, nothing I'd ever experienced or seen before. There was bells going off, there was people shouting, there was balls flying across the, the office. And I was just like, wow, this, this is, this is a, what an amazing uh, atmosphere and uh, place to be in. Mm -hmm. um, did the interview, got the job, 
and then started on the Monday. And, and like every salesperson, it was I started out on the phones. Yeah. You know? uh, but they didn't have a you know didn't have a computer then. They printed off a an Excel spreadsheet with names and numbers and said, "Call them." There's your account list. Yeah. Off you go. Back on. Uh, and I was like, okay, great. Uh, and I, luckily, it was something that I found relatively easy. I was relatively comfortable. I, I didn't have a lot of fear, so and I didn't know what to expect. So I just picked up the phone and started talking to people, and uh, quite quickly found that a I enjoyed it, and b I was reasonably good at it. Yes, it's interesting. And looking at the dynamics of. Um sales role today versus sales roles of yesteryear like the the one that you and i very similar um very similar sort of outlay in terms of a few days training get on with it here's the accounts brief on what the internet was and and off we went so i think it was a bit of a timing thing for us going into a market that was um that was moving Did, did well firstly two questions one did you feel the importance or not the or the the innovation that was happening and two do you think the innovation and timing helped us or hindered us compared to people starting off in a sales career today um i i i think at the time i had no idea what i was getting myself into uh i saw it as a job that i enjoyed that you know gave me a wage at the end of the month allowed me to go and continue playing rugby you know for reading at the time um and I had no idea, you know, what I was getting into and that it would basically be my my career and probably one of my passions as well. You know, you've got to love what you do and you've got to actually, I liken myself to a bit of a closet techie, which the technical people who who know me and watching this will laugh. But yes. And say he, he doesn't know what he's talking about half the time. Um, but you have, to in, you, have to in, you have to immerse yourself in that technology. And at that time, you know, it was we were talking about Cisco and we were talking about RSA, the tokens had just come out and we were, you know, we were talking about, you know, all these different sort of technologies that were that were coming out. And I took it upon myself to actually go and sit with the pre-sales guys and learn a bit more about it. And I found that, you know, understanding technically, you know, as much as I could actually helped me understand and become better as a as a someone that was, you know, essentially on the phone drumming up business um but no i had no idea what was what was about to happen and what and how it would shape my life basically. Yeah. and parallels between starting out then and starting out now because i think it's it's sometimes easy i mean they don't know how easy they've got it or is it even is it harder to to engage on you know try and develop new relationships you know do new business people often ask me that question and and I answer it in two ways. I think, you know, back when we started out, it was there were there was no LinkedIn, there was no social media, there was no Twitter. There was no, there was nothing around that, you know. The internet was obviously there. But it was basically, you know, people buying and selling to people and you had to pick up the phone, mm-hmm. have a conversation, interest them on the phone. Know a little then, bit as yeah, well, I to, yeah, to then yeah. go and meet them face to face and then even then, when you met them face to face, the deal might still not happen. You had to build that rapport. You had to build that trust. You had to understand what they were trying to do, and you, all of those things, I think, are still prevalent today. But the ways that, that you're able to get to to people and build those relationships has changed. Um, 
you know, you know, LinkedIn and and uh, other social media. You know, there's they're very powerful tools for being able to influence people in yeah. a subtle way. Yeah, it's interesting that transition as well because, you know, if you'd have said to me when I was a when I was last employable, uh, which was a while ago, <laughs> um, uh, that LinkedIn would be the a primary platform to develop relationships. I, I, I would I wouldn't have believed it, but there's many technologies that have started off like that that they seem peripheral, but end up being fundamental. Um, but uh, it's trying to retain the human element to what what you do as well, because I think personality is still important. Absolutely, people buy from people at the end of the day, and you have to you have to share the same values as people. One of your one of your points, you know, that you wanted to talk about is you know how do you how do you do how do you choose who you do business? That's with a people? really good point. Yeah, and you have to do it with people that share similar, not exactly the same, but share similar values to yourself. You know, I, I, years ago, I would have probably, I'd do business with anyone because it was out of a necessity. But now as I've got a bit older, you know, there's, there's, there's people and certain companies that I just, you know, that I know don't share those values. And so I, I tend not to want to work with them or engage with them because of that. Um, um, and that's something that I, you know, I will stick to and I won't change. Uh, no, I know you won't change. <laughs> no, and, and I don't want you to. Um, the, and where would you say, what are those core values? You talked about trust. That's maybe one that I would expect from, you know, what are the other things that are really Im important to you? I think uh, honesty is absolute paramount. Um, integrity, you know, our school motto was S.A. Quam Vidiri, which is to be rather than better to seem to I be. I needed you to clear that one up, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that is, you know, be yourself. Don't be something that you're not. And I think that is the integrity piece. What a wonderful statement. And yeah. then the other uh, area is uh, empathy. You know, if you can't understand and empathise with people uh, and the challenges that they're facing, not only in their in their role if you're if you're selling to them, but also outside of that as well. You know, we've just come through a very very torrid two and a bit years that has affected loads of people millions of people uh, all over oh, billions of people all over the world but you know if you just take the uk you know it's affected everyone from you know how the, how we work how we engage with people how, you know all of that sort of things and i think that empathy and being able to empathize with people and know that just because you're having a great day and you're is on a positive footing not everyone else is 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 like that and you know you've got to take the time to try and understand why they might there's other things that could be impacting the person that you're meeting or speaking to on that particular day i i, I think that's a wonderful point and i think uh is it the interesting takeaway did i feel like that prior to the two and a half years ago why aren't i at the top of someone's list to get something done that i want to personally get and i think for sure, I think the experience, you know, blended with the experience that we've had over the years, that 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 seems to be clearer now, doesn't it? I think, and that's, that's probably a good thing. Yes. Hey, Dan, you talk really passionately about the values um, that that clearly you hold so dearly. How did you leverage and use those, you know, in in your career? Give us a give us a flavour of that. Yeah, sure. So I think. 
yeah, after Aslan, I, I, I moved to London and I moved into, I moved to a company called Datrix um, and I was in end user sales uh, and I, that's where I wanted to be. And so all of those sort of things around, you know, the trust, the honesty and the integrity uh, and that desire to win were really useful uh, and were a big factor in being successful there. But I also, you know, had a really, that was probably the first time that I, had a, a real a real business mentor a real mentor mm. at that time i was only sort of 26 years old mamu chowdhury is his name yeah he's sold datrix now but he'll if he big shout to out him. to mamu yeah. yeah and he really sort of he saw in me that i suppose he he saw that rough diamond that needed a bit of polishing i had all of the attributes and i had the the character and all of the things that were needed but i needed shaping and molding and i needed guidance and i needed to experience, you know, certain situations and and know what to do, uh, and those sort of things, yeah, you you obviously learn as you're out there, and that was you know a really good, a really enjoyable time there, and I learned an incredible amount, and that's the first sort of time I realised that actually what what sort of fundamentally drives me and and the beliefs and the and the things that I hold dear. You know, I could be pretty successful at building a sales career out of it, and 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 we were very successful there. And the company is still successful now, and I still speak to him um, every now and again, uh, and that's good. And and I sort of kicked on from that really. Um, I, I sort of moved on to sort of slightly bigger companies, and I was I worked for some really really good sales leaders, um, and I think you know you you sort of like you said, you take the best bits from all the people that you work with and you work for. And then those, those sort of best bits, then you, you take what, you know, what you can, you add your own character to it. And then you take that and, and you put that out there as your sort of persona and what you want to stand for. Uh, and I, you know, I've, I've worked for some really great companies and I've worked for some really great leaders and they're still leaders now and they've gone on to build you know really big companies and i'm lucky enough to still speak to those guys and i think one of the fundamental things that i always i'm always pleased about is and and something that i try and grasp hold of is that how pleased they are to see how well i've done uh, and I don't mean that in an arrogant way but they are genuinely like you know they 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 know that the young dan the 26, 27-year-old, and now they see the Dan that's in his 40s. That's the best thing. And I can only sort of echo and understand those views. And that really is one of, for me, it's a good trait for a a leader to have, or it's a must-have for a leader to have. It's it's almost wanting the altruistic growth and development of others in front of yourself. Uh, And obviously with that will probably come success for yourself. But that's a, a a really nice trait and observation. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, from sales, I think there's a there's a there's an obvious progression that you want to go into that leadership piece. Uh, and uh, I was lucky that I got given that opportunity by another good friend of mine, Paul German, who you know very well. Good old Paul. Yeah, hi there, Paul. And uh, he brought me in uh, after Sapira, so we had a great time at Sapira. We sold that to Avaya. We we spent a bit of time at Avaya. I spent a bit longer there, basically because I could get away of working three days a week. And it makes total sense. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, but after leaving Avaya, that was the sort of piece of 
the, the missing piece of the puzzle sort of form, formed. And that was the, the, the realization that I didn't necessarily want to work for as an employee anymore. And I wanted to try and do something myself. And so we, I started the, the Juniper Bay Consultants con, uh, Consulting. And Paul was the, my first client at Certis Networks. And um, he brought me into Runamir, which, which was running a team of people. And, um, you know, I said to him, I, you know, he'd just been made CEO. And I said, you know, Paul, you know, I haven't run a team for a, you know, properly. And he was yeah. like, don't worry about that. He said, I know you and I know what you bring and I know what you stand for. And that's what's important here. The rest we can we can we can muddle along uh, and he said i haven't been a ceo before dan so it's too i hard. love that that's true isn't it that's and, good and i yeah. just thought okay great and uh you know that was my sort of first you know um leadership role and i was petrified but also excited at the same time because there were things that i knew i could do well and there was things that i just you know didn't have a clue about and there were also things that I probably, you know, couldn't even envisage that were going to happen around, you know, how you lead people and how you interact with people, different cultures from different countries. So it was a, it was a really, it was a really challenging time, but it was a really, it was really nice to do it with Paul. And he is, a, he's been a big influence, let's just say, on, uh, on, on, on my career. And, and he's a very solid guy and yeah, big respect to him. Yeah, I can see that being a really positive influence. Um, so, yeah, I mean, how, um, first gig, doing it your way, uh, and, and I always respected that, and not there's anything wrong with working for somebody at all, um, but it's a different way of doing things. You kind of paved your own path in um, being loyal and hardworking, but ultimately doing it under your own guise. Yes, so I suppose, to, yeah, it, it it was successful but it there were things that I now look back that I would have probably done differently I think you know I had a lo an awful lot to learn uh, uh, going into that role and um, I think definitely I I made mistakes uh, but I learned from those mistakes and and that's the most important thing uh, and also you know those mistakes didn't weren't illegal or didn't cost the company that's the any money so um, that's always a good thing, but I suppose, yeah, Dan's, what I found is Dan's way isn't necessarily the right way. Um, and one of the things that I've definitely sort of seen over the last few years is that my sort of, you know, my, my, my style was very sort of, you know, lead by example, winning everything, yeah. things, you know, and while that has a place, what I've seen over the last few years and what's become really, really important to me is like that it's more about people. It's more about showing people, you know, that you're vulnerable. And by mm. that mean, by that, I mean that you, it's okay to say you don't know something. That, yeah. <laughs> um, that, you know, being um, accountable yourself as well. Uh, and also, you know, sh showing... Um, you know, I think as a leader, you have to, the fundamental thing is that you have to be able to relate to people on a, not on a business perspective, but on a personal perspective. And it's something that I, I quite challenged. I was quite, I found it quite difficult because I'm very direct. Mm. Uh, you know, there's people now that know me well that I'll get on the phone to them and I, you know, and it'll be a Monday morning and I won't ask them how old, how their weekend was. 
uh, I'll just get into like what what I want to get out of that yeah. specific call or what we're there to talk about. And over the last few years, I've had to you know really work on actually asking people how they are. Did they have a nice weekend? What's going on in their life? Because that's such an important part of building a business, of building mm. a culture, of being successful. And and yeah, it's, it's empathy. Empathy, yeah. and whether that's a client or whether that's a, a, a whether that's a team, I, I I would say I would have shared that, um, not that struggle because I didn't find it a struggle, but I think that's a development that's credit to you, um, and it's a tool. It's a, you know it's a it's a it's a great tool in the locker to have you know actually taking that time so. I'm pleased. And, and where's that journey now for you? Where, where's where, where, the career journey? Yeah, so I, I'm working with a uh, Israeli startup called Hunters. Really exciting. Uh, really cool company. Very cool company. Founders are really cool. Got a very good boss. A boss that actually, he's he's not from a sales background. And he's never been a sales leader. Right. But he is... Uh, uh, it's Hanan Levin. We'll, we'll give him a shout out. Um, he's a very, he's a brilliant leader, uh, and he shows all of those. He's shows all of those things around mm-hmm. not knowing, being vulnerable, but also the the winning, the tenacity, all of the things that you would expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, we've got a great Amir team, um, full of some really talented people. We're doing very well. Uh, and I think that's because they you know, fundamentally, we we understand the mission and what we're trying to achieve, and we're all aligned to it, and we're all we're all very like-minded, and and yeah, we're doing very well. Sounds like you're in a good home, and I think knowing you, that that level of respect, and as you you talked about the the matching of values, if you share that, it's a relationship that's going to work well, and I think knowing that and qualifying that. And enables you to hopefully make some good choices on where you where you're at, uh, where you want to be. So, t- tell me a little bit about your own passion. Uh, very passionate guy. Um, huge amount of respect for you. What are the, what are the things um, that um, what are the things that get you up in the morning? What's I think the, the most important thing to me, and and the most important thing I stress to people is that. You know, work is a means to an end. It's not a. It's not. It doesn't define you. The 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 thing that I'm most passionate about is is obviously the thing is my family. My family is very very important to me. Um, we you know as a family you know I've had you know some quite terrible things happen. You know my brother and and I lost lost my mum when we were, you know I was only 28 at the time, um, and that you know that sort of incident happening or that sort of catastrophic event was yeah was was really was really hard to deal with at the time and and I had you know you know challenges dealing with that and so that has led me to you know that that family is everything you know yeah. and I take that credit to you yeah into my work you know and as a father now as well I've got two girls you know six and four and so they, that is what gets me up in the morning. Uh, and then I was on the flip side, you know, working in a startup, you know, everyone's focused around, you know, numbers and this and that, mm-hmm. winning deals and stuff like that. But I sort of take it back and people often sort of go, oh, that's quite a brutal way. 
everyone who's working at Hunters now has a family and has children. And so they need us to be successful. They need the best form of Dan Panasar to go out and win deals with all the team that, you know, because I don't win them on my own. I've got, you know, great SEs. He needs some help. Customer success people and all of that. But they need that as well because, you know, they've got their own things and their own worries. And so that family value goes all the way through as a thing that gets me up in the morning. Some people are a bit like, oh, wow, that's quite deep. But that's what does get me up in the morning. It's, not it's the money. real, Dan. It's real talk. <laughs> yeah. It's real talk and a great insight. Hey, Dan, we touched on some great people that you've been involved with, interacted with, provided some good influence. I'm interested in getting a bigger picture on that. Um, I think that uh, mentorship is a bit of a collaborative affair. Uh, who else would you sort of recognise as part of your shaping and, and influence? Yeah, good question. Um I think without a shadow of doubt, my wife, Hannah, um, she's also got, you know, a very stressful uh, job. She's very senior at Sky, runs a big team. And uh, I've certainly learned an incredible amount of um, off of her, particularly over the last two years. Um, she's an incredible leader. And, you know, her, her team is, you know, is very is big, but also, you know, the, the age range is... Is, is quite big and a lot of her team really struggled with the whole COVID lockdown piece. PR is very, you know, it's very interactive. There's a lot of sociable things there. You know, they're doing premieres, they're doing, you know, junkets for press and all of that sort of things. And during lockdown, pretty much all of that, you know, stopped. Uh, and there was a lot of, you know, basically teams and video presence. And I watched how she, you know, how she, you know, kept everything together, kept the culture together, but also she knew when to put an arm around people. And she really led by example. She noticed pretty much early on that some of her team, you know, were pretty much sat in their flats all day. You know, they, they weren't, you know, they lived in London. They might be flat sharing or living in a, you know, a relatively small flat in the middle of London or in Southwest London. And she picked up on that really, really early and, and, and led by example by, doing you know loads of her team calls she'd be out walking you know she'd be like i'm going out now i'm doing my you know doing my team call uh and i went out with her a couple of times and you know just just seeing her her team seeing her out doing that you know going out doing the call on a walk getting the exercise the fresh air you know and also encouraging them to do that was one particular thing that i thought you know what that she's very clever because she spotted that and she's you know, really nailed it. And, she, you know, the other thing is how she juggles what she does with being a mum as well. Yeah. You know, we've got two young children. Yeah. And I'm useless. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I'm not on any school WhatsApp groups. Uh, I don't know how the washing machine or tumble dry works. Um, uh, I don't know what school uniform or what gym kit they need for each day. But somehow, on top of her work, she manages, you know, the house and our children like clockwork and she's your hero let alone your yeah, yeah well, and she sounds a wonderful woman which undoubtedly she would be being with you so uh, she's yeah i don't know sounds a wonderful <laughs> a wonderful influence and uh, quite a nice combination combining it with your the, the business influences that that you've had uh, and um and passion and influence is really important to me uh having these sort of feeds in my life and the thing that as you know that floats my boat is, is music, um, 
it's really important to me whether that's live music you know uh clubs whatever that might be what is the tune that gets Dan Panasar on the dance floor what do you what do you like Dan well being a drummer anything with a beat uh, what gets me on the dance floor is Motown. I love Motown. Yeah. We grew up with it. It was constantly playing in the house. Diana Ross, Luther Vandross, uh, all of those sort of all those sort of people. But anything with a beat, um, and yeah, well, I suppose what's what's a guilty pleasure? Yeah, I'm not going to share my guilty pleasure, but there's a few. I think Celine Dion probably is uh, my guiltiest. Pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, and that that is a very dirty, guilty pleasure. Uh, big up, Celine. Uh, no, no, that's 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 all good. Can you dance, Dan? You any good? Well, cut, yeah, I've got rhythm. Shape? Yeah, I've got rhythm. Yeah, uh, I, I, I would have thought so. Yeah. Good band, mate. Well, let 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 us see if we can see that one day. Um, hey, look, Dan. Look, thank you so much for your time. Genuinely, want you to be yourself. Continue to be successful, and mate, pleasure having you. Thank you, mate. Legend. It's been a pleasure. Top man.